Hello everyone and welcome to Surveillance Report 56, where we're dedicated to keeping you private and secure with the latest news. This report is going to recap some of the most notable events in the last week. Um, this is honestly, there weren't that many massive stories, but I think the main ones is going to be the epic data breach. There's going to be some cool Google changes, some Apple updates, and then I think HTTPS everywhere is about to be phased out, which is very neat. I am Henry from TechLore. I am Nathan from The New Oil. This week's promo is going to be Monero. We support Monero. You can donate through Monero. Nathan also supports Monero on The New Oil. So you can use Monero on both of our websites to give us some support and make sure these stay free for all of you because it's completely free content. So give back if you can. Um, Nathan also just started up his uh, formal consulting program too. So if you want to get consulting through Nathan, go ahead and check it out in the description too. And on that note, we will jump straight into the data breaches. Once again, we don't have a lot this week, and that's always a good thing. The Really, the only one that came across my desk this week is a leak from the UK Ministry of Defense that put several, uh, 250, it says, Afghan interpreters' lives at risk. I didn't fully understand the details of this. Maybe that was on purpose. But from basically, from what I understand, the UK Ministry of Defense emailed a bunch of Afghan interpreters who had expressed interest in reloading to the relocating to the UK. Somehow or another, they did this email wrong and exposed all the email addresses to everyone they emailed. And some of those people even did like a reply all, which, you know, had more sensitive information in their responses. Yeah, I guess the, the moral to take away from this one is to compartmentalize your email addresses. Be careful who has them, because, you know, now, God forbid, if the Taliban gets a hold of any of those email addresses, it's probably pretty easy to look up who they belong to. So that was pretty messy. And then our second data breach is actually just an update from last week. This, for the record, I, I did see this, but not until after surveillance report was published. The epic data breach impacted more than just customers. And that's just kind of the update. Last week, we talked about Epic, who hosts like Parler and Gab and stuff like that. There was a big web scrape where a whole bunch of their registration information was leaked in an attempt to dox those people. Well, it turns out that a lot of non-customers were also caught up, caught up in that data breach. And it seems like some of the people who were caught up were not affiliated with Epic in any way or had never gone to any of their sites. It's unclear, or at least I didn't I wasn't able to ascertain from the article exactly where the data came from, but it got caught up in the scrape. And yeah, unfortunately, now some people who have never been affiliated in any way are caught up in that. Again, compartmentalize your email addresses. Okay, and now we're going to move on to companies. Really short data breach section this week, and we're going to start off with Google. This is something I'm really excited for. To give some context, most Android devices have at most three years of software updates. Most have two. And a big reason for that is because of the way Google, Android, and just the messiness of Android altogether handles updates. Google is trying to make some updates to this, and they're doing this by shifting to an upstream-first Linux kernel approach for Android features. I'm going to really simplify this to make it easy to understand. Essentially, previously, Google would push out updates, and it would rely on manufacturers to have to individually add updates on top of that, on top of the standardized Android operating system. Google is now trying to mitigate this problem by standardizing as much of the upstream operating system as possible to make sure there's faster patching, faster updates, and hopefully better security for people and better update support. Kind of a side story, um, Google is also releasing their own SOC, which hopefully, similar to Apple, will lead to an increased amount of time that we get updates. I really do think we're going to see an, a pixel that's going to be supported for close to five years within the next few years be released, which I'm very excited for. 
Okay, our next story, um, this is kind of anecdotal, but the, the person who posted it did provide evidence. So it's just a post on Mastodon. It says, if you use Gmail, Google keeps records of everything you buy, even if you delete the email receipt, and even if you didn't buy the product from Google. And then they included a screenshot. Here's metadata from my takeout showing price, delivery address, description, vendor, etc. So that is super unsettling, and it's might be a little too technical for some of your friends to understand, but you know, if, if your friends do understand this stuff, could be a good thing to show them to remind them they need to get off Gmail. The next one is from Mozilla, who says that Chrome's latest feature enables surveillance. So Chrome 94 has a new feature called Idle Detection API, which tells the websites when you visit them that you're idle at your device and not paying attention to the page. I guess uh, the most realistic example I can give you is if you're on YouTube, YouTube might now know that you're not actually actively engaging with the YouTube website, which I don't like to hear. <laughs> and it seems like Mozilla doesn't like to hear that either. So just so you know, that's a new API being introduced in Chrome. Our next story comes from Apple and the title of this report says, Apple working on depression detection for iPhones. and. I mean, that title pretty much says it all. Uh, Apple is trying to use iPhones. Interestingly, they're trying to use the phones instead of the watches, which are generally are considered to have more access to health data because the watches, you know, they can take your pulse and your, I think now they can even take like your blood sugar and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, so for some reason, they're trying to use the phones instead of the watches. But Apple is basically trying to expand the way that they're using iPhones in order to look for signs of mental illness. I'm actually, I'm going to spring this on you last second. There's was another article that came out this week that also said they're trying to use the iPhone camera to detect autism in childhood. So Apple is really trying to expand what the iPhone can do on the health front. And um, personally, I don't find that too concerning. I think that would be awesome to be able to detect depression and autism and things like that early. As with most technologies, my concern is, you know, is this going to be opt-in? Who's going to handle the data? Where is it going to be processed? All that fun stuff. And But yeah, these are early features right now, so unfortunately we don't have answers to any of that at the moment. Another Apple story. A new report has claimed that Apple has the best privacy among video streaming providers, which for the record isn't too hard to do, but they did do that. So it's this is comparing to NVIDIA Shield, Roku, Amazon Fire, and Google TV. Apple claims not to sell user data and correlate it across the web. Um, that's essentially that. And honestly, this kind of sucks too, but it's probably a similar story with streaming services. If you're comparing Deezer, Spotify, and Apple Music, honestly, Apple Music's probably the better bet, unless you're going to you know, have your own music library and avoid this stuff altogether. That's mostly anecdotal, by the way, based on my own research and not an actual report, the the music part of that. The only reason I'm still stuck with Spotify is because so many of the podcasts I listen to are Spotify only. Isn't that terrible? Isn't that I, like, It so really wrong? genuinely makes me upset. Like, it, even as a Spotify user, it's like, why are you doing this? It sucks because music has always been so good in the sense of like, it doesn't make sense to pirate music anymore. Because these it streaming doesn't. services are so convenient, they're five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, and you get all the music in one place. And now they're trying to make exclusives out of podcasts and they're trying to fragment that. So it's gonna turn out to be exactly like these damn streaming services for movies, <laughs> where you have to spend $10 for like eight different services to get maybe 80% of the movies you wanna watch. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Ugh, so annoying. Okay, moving on. Our next story is gonna go to Microsoft where Microsoft's auto-discover was abused to collect web requests and credentials. Researchers at AVP, I don't know what prompted them to do this, but they found that they could register domains that were autodiscover.com dot whatever. They could put dot au, dot io, dot whatever. And uh, somehow that simple trick 
fooled Microsoft into automatically submitting user credentials, sometimes over plain text, over HTTP. So that is very unsettling. They did a... It, I could have been misreading this article, but from what I read and what I understood, they ba they basically did almost nothing other than register these domains and various Microsoft services just automatically started trying to connect to those domains and submitting credentials to log into the domains. And, you know, a malicious attacker could set that up and start, start stealing credentials. So scary, Microsoft, get it together. Our next story is also unsettling. It comes from a stalkerware firm called PC Tattletale, who I just have to note has god-awful grammar on their website. That really frustrated me. And they are, well, you know, they're a stalkerware company, so of course they're not doing good things. They are leaking real-time screenshots of people's phones. So the way that this particular software let's call it what it is, stalkerware works, is uh, it saves victim data to an AWS cloud. Take a shot which required no authentication to view. <laughs> so, uh, and, and the images that it took, the screenshots that it took and all the information were formatted in a very predictable URL pattern that anyone could guess if they figured out the pattern, which wasn't hard to do. And then on top of that, there was no rate limiting. So once you figured out the pattern, so once you found the cloud that required no authentication to view, once you figured out the pattern, you could easily build a, a script that could just scrape every single image on the cloud. And, you know, since it was automatically uploading these periodically, you're basically getting people's phones in real time. So that is horrifying. And a reminder that personally, I don't trust my phone with anything. I, I try to as little as possible. Our next story's headline is Banks Beware. Amazon, Walmart, Ikea experiment with their own embedded finance service. The main takeaway from this story is more and more companies are trying to get in between banks and customers, which gives them access to customer data and any other possible incentives uh, for them. So this can take the form of Amazon's buy now, pay later. It's Mercedes allowing you to use their cars to pay for gas. There's so many different opportunities here. Your financial data is valuable, as you probably know, and people are trying to get. Our next story is uh, probably more relevant to parents and certain developers. It comes from Roblox, who is beginning an opt-in age verification process in order to better protect children on the platform and also the developers. You know, um, Roblox, I'm, I'm sure many of us have heard, is popular with kids and therefore has unfortunately in some cases attracted some less than desirable people. So Roblox is trying to create... Uh, Basically, just like a, a verification system where when you're verified, you get more permissions. So that way, if you're not verified and therefore potentially dangerous, you are uh, have less permissions. Uh, yeah, all that. But anyways, it's, you know, the usual you scan your ID and take a selfie thing. Um, the only thing that stuck out to me is am I the only person who didn't have a photo ID before I got my learner's permit? Because they're talking about letting kids as young as 13 scan like a government ID. And like, sure, you can get those. But I mean, the first time I had a photo ID that wasn't a school ID was like, my learner's permit. I don't, I don't know. That's kind of weird. But yeah, so that's a thing uh, just to be aware of. And, you know, I, I guess if you use Roblox, that's up to you to decide if you want to be verified or not. It is opt-in at this time. And uh, I guess that's the good side. Our next story is about VoIP.ms, which is a Canadian-based voice over IP provider with over 80,000 customers in 125 countries. And they are currently experiencing an ongoing distributed denial of service attack, which is, you know, where botnets relentlessly ping the service until it gets overwhelmed and drops down. And of course, they're 
being held ransom. You have to pay us so much money, so we'll stop. Uh, one of my readers, when I posted this article, they did actually say that they were impacted by this. They use VoIP.ms, and they reported that their service is now spotty and unreliable. You know, sometimes they get messages and calls, sometimes they don't, and it's very, very frustrating. So uh, I think if there's a lesson we can take away from this story, it's that you should always have a backup communication solution for when your primary solution goes down. And finally, really, really quick story. 11 Netgear routers need to be patched immediately. There's some context here. Disney teamed up to allow parental controls for these routers. Long story short, you should be updating these routers. If you want to see if your router's affected, go ahead and check out the sources in the description. So patch your firmware, stay on top of updates, and cut out the crap when you can, including these weird features. And also Nathan wrote in here to use DDWRT, which is an open source router firmware that you can flash on some routers. All right, that was our last business story, company story. So let's move on to research. And we are gonna start with a, another story about routers and VPNs. VPN users were unmasked by zero day vulnerability in Virgin Media routers. Researchers found a quote unquote DNS rebinding attack in Virgin Media routers, but they do suspect that this is possible to replicate in other routers. They, were only, they only had the Virgin Media routers to work with, but they assumed that this probably works on other routers. Virgin was alerted to this almost two years ago and claims that they are still working on a technical fix. So I don't know what a DNS rebinding attack is. I don't know if it's just that hard to fix or if Virgin is just being that lazy. Probably the second one, because Virgin is also trying to downplay this. They're saying like, this is a really complicated attack. It requires quote, a very specific set of circumstances. And they called it a quote unquote edge case. So uh, assuming they are telling the truth, that means you are unlikely to be hit by this, but yeah, researchers are recommending firewalling your traffic to the router or ensuring that land traffic on a VPN is blocked. Set up your routers right, have a good firewall and stuff like that. And also, you know, we always encourage layering your strategies. All right, the next research piece is actually really interesting. So this is something that affects Google Chrome's strict site isolation via speculative execution and type confusion. There's a lot of jargon. Uh, don't worry, it's not that hard to grasp, but once you see it in action, so I actually recommend if you're listening, go ahead in the sources right now and click the second link in the research section. And there's a cool little video that you can watch along as I talk to you. Pretty much uh, what happens is you can have a website, you can click on a link that redirects you to a different tab. And then that original website can run JavaScript that still captures the autofill password for the second site. Um, the example they use is you click Tumblr on their webpage, it opens Tumblr in a new link, and when Chrome autofills Tumblr credentials, it actually captures your Tumblr username and password, and then they put input that into a new browser, and sure enough, those are your credentials. So it's pretty much a way to get your passwords in a new tab from a site via JavaScript. The spookier part is this can actually be embedded into an extension, so it can work on an extension basis. Another reminder to not install any extensions you don't need, because any extension could be possibly malicious, and most extensions have elevated privileges. This has not been caught to, to be exploited in the wild at all, so you're likely not impacted by this, but now that it is public, you it is public, and I do believe it has been patched. Up next, super quick story. Headline is DDoS attacks are becoming more prolific and more powerful. Warn cybersecurity researchers. Title says it all, secure your devices so they can't be used in the botnet. Some general things to do, keep your stuff up to date, don't use what you don't need to use, and also just make sure you're trying to pick what are currently touted as the more secure options um, when you're doing research before you buy your products. 
Our next story is also a quick one. The headline says, unpatched macOS vulnerability lets remote attackers execute code. To me, the vulnerability isn't really so interesting so much as it is that uh, the way it spreads is by opening attachments. Long story short, when you open an attachment, there's a, like a shortcut that Macs use that can be abused to open something other than the attachment. So I think the real takeaway here is just, you know, remember when you get an attachment, make sure it's something you're actually expecting and be careful when you're opening it. Actually, one of my moderators will not open anything I send him. He makes me screenshot everything. The next one's a really interesting one and it's a very real world kind of research. And I think you're gonna enjoy this. So more than one in three people have tried to guess someone else's password three and four succeed. Go ahead and read it yourself. Very recommended, lots of fun stuff in there. The noteworthy ones, 73% of people interviewed, so th almost three and four, managed to successfully guess a password. Uh, about half of them tried to guess a romantic partner's password and were successful, and 22% tried to guess a coworker's and were successful. About 20% tried to guess an ex-partner or boss's password and were su successful as well. The most common tactic is using information known about the other person, which is 40%, while 18.4% check the person's social media profiles to try and guess. A final stat, over two in five try to guess passwords for personal email accounts, and almost one in three try to guess phone passwords. So this is the research. It's funny, because I've actually, I don't think I've ever tried guessing someone's password, so I don't know how exactly going through their social media would get you their password. I don't get it. And I don't know how you could be successful with that, but this is the research and I trust the research. So it's pretty interesting stuff. I was gonna say, I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I, I did guess a password one time, mostly because I didn't think it would actually work. And um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't go through social media. It was just literally spur of the moment. Um, somebody's phone was sitting next to me. And it was somebody I knew, it wasn't like a stranger, but it was someone I was close to, but their phone was sitting next to me. And I was just like, and let me try. And just like the first thing I put on, it popped up and I was just like, oh, okay. So um, yeah, I don't I don't know the social media one either. I guess that would be more for like the boss kind of thing or like the coworker. Um, I could see that maybe, but yeah, I know. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how that works either. All right, and our final research story, the headline says 2021 has broken the record for zero day hacking attacks. You can read this article, I highly encourage it. But the moral of the story, updates, 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 people. We are finding more and more zero days, which are kind of a good thing because, you know, that means we can fix them as well, but only if you install the updates. Updates are important. And with that, we will move into politics. We're going to start off with a ransomware, a $5.9 million ransomware attack on a farming co-op called New Cooperative Inc who provides software that helps out about 50% of the grain production in the US, uh, grain production and feed schedules of 1.1 million farm animals, such as chicken and pigs. So uh, I believe the headline said this could affect like grain, pork and chicken shortages, possibly if this doesn't get resolved in time. They were attacked by the Black Matter group, who claims that it does not hit critical infrastructure, but their definition of critical infrastructure is hospitals, oil and gas, nonprofits, government, defense, power generation, and water treatment. Apparently food is not critical infrastructure to them. New Cooperative has isolated the attack. They are, you know, they've called law enforcement and the specialists. They're trying to get back up and running. They have also tried to contact Black Matter and be like, we are infrastructure. Please give us the decryptor. And Black Matter is being quite rude 
from the screenshots I saw. And they're like, no, you're not. We're not going to give you money. Just give us, give us money. Anyways, uh, this goes under the politics section because the U.S. is really trying to crack down on ransomware right now. And they're trying to, like, sanction companies that pay the ransomware. And there's just a lot of uh, uncertainty about... You know, do they count as a critical infrastructure? Uh, is the government going to help them? Are they going to get any kind of any kind of government assistance at all? So yeah, it's it will be interesting to see how this unfolds, and hopefully will not unfold, or hopefully will be resolved quickly because, yeah, that's that's a lot of very popular and important foods. Next one, the takeaway is very quick, so I'm going to keep it brief. The headline is four months on from a sophisticated cyber attack, Alaska's health department is still recovering. The story is just illustrating that cyber attacks happen and it's not just a, oh, it's fixed now a week later. Even with ransomware, people think they pay the ransomware and the problem's just gone. There's still months of fallout. There's still so many people affected. I think these data breaches happen so frequently that we almost don't even take in the lasting effects that it has on both customers as well as the companies. Some of Alaska's systems are still offline and it's been months. So again, this stuff affects people and it's a real thing and it's really easy to gloss over the fact that they're not a big deal because we might talk about eight data breaches in a single week, but this stuff is serious. All right, our next story. <laughs> All right, Nathan, don't mess this one up. <laughs> well, the good news is I, I can't put my opinion into this because I don't know what to think of this story. So, okay, so what happened was a man uploaded child pornography to gmail to his gmail account and this definitely happened gmail detected it via hashes they they did not open it they passed it along to the national center for missing and exploited children who also did not open it who passed it along to the san diego police department who then did open it got a warrant to search his computer in his house went and arrested him and all this um this week this case was appealed and the court ruled that this violated the Fourth Amendment and that the police should have gotten a warrant before opening the attachments. I think what their their reasoning for that was is because nobody else had opened it and therefore the police didn't have probable cause, I guess, or they didn't have like the legal justification. There, there are, uh, for those of you who don't know, there are situations where the police are allowed to do things without a warrant. Uh, one of them I think is probable cause or like another one is like um it i forget what it is but like for example if they pull you over and they smell pot they're allowed to search the car without a warrant or you know if they hear somebody screaming in a house they're allowed to break into the house without a warrant because somebody screamed so there there are situations where they are allowed to search without a warrant but the police ruled that or the courts ruled that this was not one i i mean on the one hand i i do like that you know the police are being told to get a warrant and respect our privacy but on the other hand like if Two separate companies agreed that there was a hash there. I feel like to me that counts as justification. I don't know, but maybe he should have, like, maybe that's enough justification to go get a warrant. Like, I, I don't know, man. I really don't know. I feel like this, th these kinds of things don't happen when they should happen. And so I want to praise the fact that they did hold the, the investigation accountable for once, it feels like. Because a lot of times we see these stories where someone like didn't even do anything wrong and the, the, the investigation was never even held accountable and they still have to yeah. go through a lengthy process. And so now we actually see them being held accountable when it seems like this person was very clearly guilty. It, I don't know. It's hard. I, 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 don't, I don't have many thoughts on this one. It's a tricky one. and It really is. And yeah, I, I think you said it 
you said it pretty well, I think. I think most people are going to be on the same page there of like, oh, man, that's tricky. Yeah. <laughs> the final political story, the Lithuanian government has warned about secret censorship features in Xiaomi phones. This is pretty much a security audit that covers the three popular 5G smartphone models that are manufactured in China, and it recommends that citizens avoid or stop using at least two of the three devices, uh, citing privacy infringements and secret censorship capabilities. They found words and phrases like free Tibet, democratic movement, Taiwan independence, and others that were censored. So the module is not enabled in every device, but could have been enabled in many of them secretly. So uh, something you should know about, this is actually one of the first actual pieces of evidence that there is some kind of secret thing happening on the phone that's undetected, but look, it still is detected and now we know about it. So I don't want to hear any more people tell me that Google Pixels have secret chips that spy on them with custom ROMs because it's not true and you don't have evidence and it's easy to disprove and these researchers are telling us that there is something happening um, in some part of the world and this is a very valid problem that we are going to be talking about. I mean, to those people's defense, in, in a year or two, they might come out with a similar study about the Google Pixel. They, so, they could, know. but... <laughs> Like, you, you can't just say, oh, Google has now invented a whole new way of communicating that someone with Wireshark at home can't analyze to see if they're still spying on you. Like, you, yeah, like, you got you to gotta have evidence for that. You got to have evidence for it. And it's very easy to throw anything out there. I can tell you that Linux is compromised. And you're going to be like, no, it's not. And I'm going to be like, no, it is. It's like, yeah. what's your evidence? I don't need any. I just know. <laughs> like, like, what's evidence? Yeah, like, if, if, if you're saying something that I guess wild without evidence, it's really hard to disprove it. The lack of a rebuttal doesn't mean that like you're right. <laughs> yeah. I try to make a point of saying like, I have no evidence for this, but this is what I believe. Yeah. I wish but. more people did that. All right. And with that, we are going to move on to our free and open source software FOSS news. We're going to start off with some good news for Android people. There is a new app called AirGuard and it is open source. It's on GitHub. It's on Fdroid and it's on Google play. And what this does is it periodically scans for AirTags and other Find My enabled devices and warns you if they might be tracking you. So this is great when Apple launched their AirTags earlier this year. Uh, the iPhone came with a lot of features to help you detect possible tracking. Android users were basically SOL, you know, crap out of luck. And now somebody has built an app that you can download if you think that you may be being tracked but you don't have an iPhone. Now they have built a device that you can, or an app that you can download and detect potential tracking. By the way, F-Droid is an open source app store that you can download on any Android device. So even those of you out there with your Samsung devices and whatnot, just go online and download F-Droid. Have some fun. Yep. All right, the next story. Guys, HTTPS everywhere is, is going to die. It's a thing. Um, but it's, but it's for exactly press F, but it's actually for a good cause. It's not what it sounds like. So the EFF is going to be phasing out their legendary HTTPS everywhere plugin simply due to the fact that HTTPS is just such a great standard and most people are utilizing it. And many browsers nowadays are natively supporting the same cap capability as the plugin. So it's pretty much becoming useless at this point. This is all great news. In fact, uh, I think one or two months ago, we talked about how browsers are actually implementing a lot of great stuff now out of the box, and it's something that we're very happy to see. It's getting to the point that the amount of extensions that we're recommending is going down. In fact, there's browsers now that you don't even need to use extensions. So it's pretty nifty stuff. Makes privacy easier for everyone, makes security better for everyone. We're all about that. Okay, our next story, Brave has launched Brave Talk for privacy-preserving video conference. All right, um, 
I like Brave. I'm sorry to the, the Brave fans that I'm about to offend. I think this is dumb. <laughs> but here's the facts. It's basically Brave's Jitsi instance. I mean, that's that's a fact. It's what it is. Uh, they claim they don't log any metadata. It, it's only available for one-to-one -one calls. If you want to have three, four, five people, you have to pay $7 a month for the extra features, which again, these features are standard on the regular Jitsi server. Uh, these are features like call recording, muting participants, entry passcodes, and group calls. Like, uh, actually my band, that's how we wrote our album over lockdown is Jitsi. But uh, I will say to their defense, it is probably a lot more stable with large calls. Like that's a, a ding that I've heard on people who have tried to use Jitsi instead of like Zoom or something is once you get over a certain number of participants, Jitsi gets really unstable. So, I mean, if you want to use a replacement for Zoom at your business, then this is probably a pretty good idea and it's probably worth paying $7 a month for. But I mean, just for individuals, it's honestly probably something you can pass on. Yeah, if I could chime in, and I'm this is like a major devil's advocate thing. I'm probably going to be okay. called a brave shill for this, even though I'm saying that like I don't agree with it. I think this brave <laughs> talk is kind of dumb too. It's not something I'm literally ever going to use, like most other things in the brave browser. But I think it's kind of nifty how brave tries to like integrate everything into their browser. Like it's getting to the point that it has its own torrent client. It supports. Um, well, let me it's look. It's got the Tor window. It's got the Tor window. Like, exactly. It has Tor. And it's didn't they got... say they added something else in that same release? IPFS. They have IPFS. They have their yeah. cryptocurrency wallets. You can store Ethereum inside. Like, you can literally store Oh, your Brave crypto... Search, Brave News. That's what they mentioned yeah. in the article. It's kind of lit. Like, if you like the Brave ecosystem, it literally replaces the need for you to have a torrent client. It replaces the need for you to have news. You can use it as your RSS feed. You can add <laughs> manual RSS links inside of Brave. Like... It's kind of nifty. I don't like the ecosystem, so I don't use it, but I think it's kind of cool that we're seeing um, these privacy-oriented, whether or not you think Brave is private, it's at least they're at least trying to be private. Um, it's cool that we're seeing these privacy ecosystems come out, like ProtonMail's trying to replace the Google suite. Brave is kind of trying to replace, I don't know. They're, they're, they seem to have a little lost of vision there of what they're trying to replace, but they're trying to make their own thing, which I'm kind of like, okay, cool, go off. Trip. And I mean, to be fair, I'm not I'm not saying like this is a terrible idea and nobody should use it. It's just kind of one of those things that I'm like, I don't know if anybody asked for this, but you know, uh, hey. I don't think anyone is going to use it though. Like, why are you going to use? I, I, the only thing I can think of is some person is like, man, I really like Brave Talk. And the only way someone else is going to be able to use Brave Talk is if they download Brave. So now they're going to get more monthly active users. That's the only thing I can think of. Maybe, maybe. that's all it is. Maybe or like I said, maybe <laughs> maybe there is actually a company out there that's you know wants to get off Google or, or Zoom or whatever, and maybe they're willing to pay for it. But I, I think those are probably going to be few and far between. So maybe. I don't know. I do trust Brave though from a business POV. <clears throat> I, I think yeah. Brendan's a very good businessman, and I think they're going to make the right moves to. I, I, I'm gonna say this. I think Brave. If you check Brave's stats, it's only up, guys. Every month, they're only gaining users. Um, from a business perspective, they know what they're doing. Firefox is the, it's, it's quite the inverse. <laughs> so I'm gonna say, um, I wouldn't be surprised in two years if we see uh, Brave overtake Firefox. So I'm gonna say, not that I okay, agree cool. with either one of them. Make your own browser choice. I'm just saying, from a business perspective, I do wish Firefox was making better decisions. 
Um, and the final fast story, uh, Ubuntu Linux 14.04 and 16.04 have each got a decade of support from Canonical. Kind of back to where we were talking about updates earlier. I love updates. I love making things last a long time and I love seeing things get a decade of support. That's it. That's awesome. I wish everything was built to last a decade or more. Why not, why not a century? I didn't throw it in here, but there was actually an article earlier this week from, uh, I can't remember who it was, but it was, it was somebody well-reputed and he was basically saying like this whole two, three, four years of updates thing has got to stop and companies have got to basically promise support for as long as the thing is in use. I'm surprised there's no regulation for it yet. I mean, the EU, I, I don't know, we, we're not going to talk about this story, but the EU just recently is trying to push on Apple to, to implement USB-C as a standard. They're trying to I make USB-C a requirement. It's weird that like we're, we're, we're talking about that in the ports and everything, which I think is important, but we're not talking about the fact that a lot of these phones aren't supported for more than two or three years. I feel like that's such a massive issue for, for carbon footprint, for, for so many different things, like for security, for protecting people, for making the, their phones last longer, it saves money. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, now that you mention it, that is kind of weird. Yeah, I'm surprised there's no regulation for that, at least in the EU. And finally, let's move into our Misfits section. We're going to start off with a real quick one. Joker has been spotted on the Google Play Store. Probably nothing new. Uh, Joker is a malware that basically what it usually does, I mean, it does... I think it has a couple of capabilities, but the most common one is it signs you up for subscriptions without telling you, so you charge a lot of money and the you know the criminals get like a kickback from those subscriptions. But yeah, it's back. They found it in several apps. So as always, as we mentioned before, be careful what you install. Ask if you really need it. Uh, our next story, the Fin8, Finite, Finite? I don't know. The Fin8 cybercrime gang backdoors US finance organizations with a new malware. Again, this isn't a terribly new story. Um, Fin8 has been around for some time. They just have a new malware. They typically target uh, the hospitality industry, restaurants, retail, and healthcare, and their goal is to steal credit card data from point of sale systems. So the reason we wanted to share this is the moral here, remember to be careful using cards, try to use cash whenever possible, or whenever possible use mask payment methods like privacy.com, uh, Revolut, prepaid cards, things like that. Um, and our final story for the week, the NSA and CIA use ad blockers because, because online advertising is so dangerous. Very, the title pretty much explains it all. If you wanna get more information, I'd read the source as we always recommend. Um, so this is a lesson, use uBlock Origin. And kind of a side note, like we post stuff on YouTube, YouTube has ads. I actually get this question a lot, like, oh, you guys are monetized. And it's like, yeah, I know some people still use ads. You can choose to keep ads running or you can use uBlock Origin. We don't care. Um, we ask, it doesn't have to be for us, but I generally, this is a personal thing. I like to recommend to people, take your top three creators and find a way to support them. Be it join their communities, be it leave a comment to support them emotionally, just anything. Just try to support your three creators in some way, be it Patreon, paid methods, or free methods. Just try to do something for them. Um, whatever that means to you, I think that's a good thing to try to do for everyone, to at least try to take some money away from the monetization model. But you can do what you want. That's just how I like to look at things. Do you want to have anything to add there, Nate? I think we're pretty fortunate to have a really positive, uplifting community. Um, that was something that really surprised... Not surprised me, but uh, something that I was pleasantly surprised to see when I, I joined uh, Surveillance Report is, you know, most of the comments are very uplifting and helpful. And even the ones who are critical are usually constructive, like, you know, just, hey, so, you know, it's it's this instead of this. 
usually with my pronunciations, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it, but yeah, so I mean, you know, unfortunately some people aren't fortunate enough to have attracted positive viewers like that. So yeah, I like what you said about like leaving a positive comment and stuff that can definitely help a long way to, to balance out all the, the jerks who leave negative comments. I don't sure. think people realize how stressful dealing with that stuff is like, imagine that, like posting something it online can be, yeah. for like thousands of people and there's like at least a dozen people and everything being like wow everything you do sucks like at a certain point it does kind of suck you know but you got to just it, like it, power through it and it's just nice to see all the positive comments because they completely overpower those and i think we've talked about this before the human brain is this is an actual fact the human brain is like wired to pay attention to negative things because it's like a survival instinct and so you can scroll through, and I know you've seen me do this, you can scroll through like 50 comments of like, this is awesome, this is great, thanks for the content, keep up the good work. And then just like the one person that words it the right way, and it's just like, oh, that guy's a jerk, and now that's all I can think about for three days. Like, Yeah. But but yeah, like like you said, like those positive comments, and they help like to keep it in perspective. Like, okay, this one person was a jerk, but look how many people liked it and thought it was valuable. And Yeah. yeah. So takeaway, just support your three, five, ten, or just your top favorite creator if you can, because at the end of the day, you're probably getting their content for free um, in some way, shape, or form. So yeah, just keep that in mind. And then real quick, just to add on to the end of the, the actual story, there was also a story this week about a malware that is delivering ransomware payloads using Google Ads. So we'll throw that at the end of the show notes too. Well, now that's going to wrap up the news for this report. Um, again, there weren't that many massive stories this week, but it was still a lot of important stuff that you should know about. Again, keep everything you do up to date because that's probably the biggest takeaway. And like, just like it was last week, I believe, or the week before, just keep things up to date. And we want to thank you for listening to the surveillance report. We're happy to know you're trying to stay safe out there. This is a lot of fun to do, and it's always awesome to see your comments. Um, people are really starting to like this a lot, and we're getting a very loyal weekly following for this, which is just awesome to see. The final thing we want to ask you to, to do is to share a podcast around. Make sure you're subscribed if you're on a platform that allows that, or just follow the RSS feed. And definitely, definitely give us a rating if you're listening on a platform where that's an option. Most notably, um, whatever the Apple thing calls it, Apple Podcasts or whatever. You guys, you guys know what you're talking about if you're on the Apple platform. <laughs> um, we want privacy to reach as many people as possible, and ratings and things like that do help with that. And yeah, I, I wish it wasn't like that, but it is. So help us out if you can. Thanks again for listening and see you all next week.